the volume. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The 3 and Out Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to bet every moment more than with FanDuel. With football ending, we have the NBA rolling, March Madness right around the corner, and my personal favorite, betting on the PGA Tour. I cannot recommend it enough. You get winnings fast, and winnings are also delivered in under two hours. It's a fun to combine multiple bets from the same game parlay. No big deal. NBA, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. That would be what I would do. If you are new, just download the FanDuel app. To get started now, sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast, Thursday afternoon. Lot going on. We're going to dive right into the show. Not going to waste your time. Here's what you got to do subscribe to the podcast. If you listen on Colin's feed, Subscribe to the 3 and Out podcast, separate from Colin's feed. Greatly appreciate that. Appreciate everyone listening. Hope you're having a great week. Lot of moving parts. We just had a major trade. I recorded the majority of the podcast. Wentz, obviously Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers returning, Trey Aikman taking off from Fox, official now. Uh, and then the Khalil Mack trade happened. I'll talk a little about the Khalil Mack trade happening. Uh, my thoughts on that, and then we'll just dive right into the quarterback stuff. The Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff is my Instagram. That'll be on the weekend, uh, like we've been doing the last couple weeks. So slide up into those DMs at John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is just my name. DMs, get your question answered. Middlecoff mailbag on the weekend. So I, I wanted to dive into the Khalil Mack trade. I, I think it's pretty simple. I think pro sports representing these companies in America, aggressive wins. Pedal to the metal. Stop making excuses. Take big swings. Look at Major League Baseball. Actually, lockout officially ended today. They're cool with you striking out, which, you know, can be a little bit. Like, I I like every once in a while seeing a guy go the other way, which, again, I'm cool with you keeping your third-round pick every once in a while. But when you have the chance to make some of these trades for some of these players, I'm all for it. And these new-age GMs, these younger GMs, are being very aggressive. Now, Telesco has been a GM now nine years. And I was actually texting, little name drop, Peter Schrager. Uh, we were just BSing. And he, he, you know, alluded to a staff that I was like, damn, it doesn't seem like that, but it makes sense. Telesco's made the playoffs one time as the general manager of the Chargers. Been there nine years. Been there a long time. Now, as a former scout in me, and listen, I, I don't know Tom personally. I think he does a pretty good job. Same deal with Chris Ballard. But you are dependent on your coach. Now, Ballard, Frank's solid. Uh, is he perfect? No. But they've had Anthony Lynn, who, good assistant coach, not a good head coach. Brandon Staley, I got no clue if he knows what he's doing. And before that, did they inherit with, oh, it was Mike McCoy. So, I mean, part of it is the Chargers, you know, if your business goes cheap 
at the most important employee, then you're going to have a problem. And they consistently go cheap at head coach. There's a reason the good teams, typically their coaches cost 10 to 15 million. There's a reason Nick Saban and Kirby Smart kick everyone's ass. They both make nine and a half million dollars, right? Urban Meyer, now Ryan Day, they get paid a premium. There are certain positions in America that get paid a lot. Like if you're CEO of a big bank, you're going to be making a lot of money. Position pays a lot. Like you can talk shit all you want about Roger Goodell making 40 plus whatever million dollars. He runs an enterprise that just signed a hundred million, hundred billion dollar television contract. Like most people in the private sector, when you're in charge of that, get compensated at a high level. And for whatever reason, the Chargers never want to pay a coach. But they have good players. And this move is a no-brainer. Part of having Justin Herbert on a rookie quarterback is taking advantage of the cap space. So you get a pass rusher who now he's coming off a pretty major injury, foot foot injury, missed you know basically half the season. He had six sacks in seven games. And I remember a buddy in the NFL texting me you know, early on in the season, goes, God, Khalil Mack looks like Khalil Mack. So you put Khalil Mack, you put him with uh, Joey Bosa, you're cooking with gas. And I'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast, like their run defense was a joke, and that's on Brandon Staley to get it figured out. But a great pass rush makes everything else easy. And here's the other thing with Khalil Mack. He is an elite, not a good, an elite run defender. So he adds toughness to your to your run defense, and he takes away whatever side he's on, you're not running at 52 because you're not moving him. So a no-brainer move. I uh, I admire and I applaud anyone in any industry that pedal to the metal, chips in the middle of the table. Shouldn't that's how we operate? Now, there's a difference with being reckless, right, and putting your chips in the middle of the table and put it on red, right? And there's also getting Khalil Mack, you know, a guy that's been countless all pros and pro bowls and when he's healthy is one of the best players in the league. Tip my hat. Good move, Chargers. Great move. They, they've had a good week. Mike Williams, resign, get Khalil Mack. The AFC West is no joke. The, it's, the irony is these two conferences on the West Coast are, are a mother. The AFC West added Russell Wilson, added obviously Khalil Mack today. We know how good the NFC West is. Now they lost Russell, but Seattle finished dead last last year in the, in the, uh, in the division. There are a lot of rumors with Derek Carr, what's going to happen. I don't really know. We're, you know only time's going to tell what Josh really thinks of Derek. You know, do they extend him? I don't think they trade them, but let's face it, rumors are flying out there, and they do every year with Derek. Uh, and from the Bears standpoint, like part, sometimes you do have to bottom out. Sometimes you do have to blow it up. And the Bears are at the point where you got to blow it up. The shitty part about blowing it up, though, they have a rookie quarterback, too. And if Justin Fields, like their franchise hinges on Justin Fields. If he becomes a pro bowler, the Bears will be good. If he's a quote-unquote bust, they're screwed. You know, and they got a brand new coach, which we have no clue if he's any good. They have a new GM who, you know, my guys in Kansas City really, really like. But when he was hired, he said, we're going to take back the North. And then a month later, Aaron Rodgers comes back to the North. Like, hey, Ryan, you're not taking back the North. You know, the the, the Packers are going to own the fucking North for, for the foreseeable future. So you need to figure out how to get Justin Fields playing well. And you have to, they didn't have a first round pick. But I got no problem not having a first-round pick going up to get a quarterback last year. They made the right move. Now, all the pressure's on getting him good and doing everything humanly possible. They had to clear up the cap a little bit, and that's part of getting rid of Khalil. And he's one of the only assets they have that, that has value that you know they could part with, right? He's over 30. You're not going to part with Roquan Smith. But their offensive line stinks. They don't have that many playmakers. Allen Robinson's a free agent. Uh, defensively, they, you know, they got a long way to go. I think the Bears could really, really suck next year. 
And we talk about quarterbacks, quote unquote, being a bust or not living up to the potential. Like, is it Justin Fields' fault that the Chicago Bears are in kind of roster turmoil? Right? I mean, he's used to playing at Georgia, playing at Ohio State with loaded rosters. Now, obviously, it's not that easy in the NFL. But, you know, look at some of these. Court. Russell Wilson gets drafted to Seattle. Squad ready to roll. Dak Prescott goes to uh, goes to Dallas. Ready to roll. Trey Lance gets drafted by the 49ers. Boom. Start cooking with gas. Mac Jones. Bill Belichick signs him. Or drafts him. And he spends $500 million that offseason or whatever, accumulating all these players. So the variables, and this this works for any part of any human's life, any company you work for, there, there are things out of your control, right? There are variables that you cannot control. No matter how talented you are, no matter how smart you are, there are things surrounding you in a professional environment that you need to go well for you to succeed. It, it's really hard to overcome you know, the things that are out of your control if they're done poorly, and it's a disaster. And I feel that way with Justin Fields. Like, if this does not go well and Uberflus doesn't know what he's doing and Ryan Poles, you know, is a little overwhelmed, like, his career is going to be derailed fast. That's why Zach Wilson, like, do they know what they're doing in the New York Jets? You'd say historically they usually don't. So I'm fascinated to see that way that it goes. I'm glad Khalil Max with the Chargers. I can't wait to watch. I, I mean, I'm, I watch NFC and AFC West football. The, I watch a lot more NFC West football because I haven't really been watching the Broncos. And I mean, I had the Raiders games on, but, you know, for the first time in years last year, they were really interesting. Now I got the Raiders interesting. I got definitely the Broncos interesting. The Chargers and the Chiefs are definitely interesting. Uh, Seattle's not, but the Niners, Rams, and Cardinals are. So we we got, listen, we do not do college football. (laughs) Uh, We're an embarrassment right now in uh, in college football. We have a long way to go, but holy shit do we do the NFL out West. Pac-12, bad football. NFL football out West, awesome. The Chiefs, do they count as West? No, but they're, they're in the division, so we, we claim them. Uh, but, you know, everything uh, West of Denver, good times right now. Khalil Mack back in the division, which kind of put him on the map. You know, I, I remember I was going to all those Raider games when Khalil Mack first came into the league. He was a raw pass rusher. Like, for example, like Nick Bosa got to the NFL, ready to go, had pass rush. Khalil didn't really know what he was doing. But it was like, I had a buddy that coached for the Raiders and... uh up, you know, during the Khalil Mack era. And I vividly remember asking him, like, at the end of OTAs, I'm like, how good is that guy? He's like, to be honest with you, he was the best player on the team after two snaps in rookie minicamp. And he just needed to figure out, within a couple years, he was an all-pro at multiple positions. I mean, a complete freak show. My personal belief on Khalil, he's better when he believes he can win. And I think the last couple years, it was like things have gotten weird in Chicago. Not that he's a checkout front runner, but he he has to exert so much will and so much force and play so hard that it's like, what am I doing this for? You know, and now he's on the Chargers, which, let's face it, a ton of pressure. Well, I mean, technically not media pressure because no one really, you know, they're second fiddle in LA and they're the Chargers. But just in terms of like the way we're going to talk about him, they have a star young quarterback who's on a rookie contract. They got good players at several positions. Like it's playoffs or bust. If if you don't and listen, I think Telesco knows it. It's why you make this trade, which is the easiest trade he'll ever make, whether it works or not. Like as of today, you make this trade with your eyes closed. There should be several other teams that because I was thinking like, why didn't the Niners make this trade? Why didn't the Chiefs make this trade? I know cap stuff, but like you can get rid of cap space. I think it's more like the Chargers pick is better than a lot of teams that would have easily made this pick or made this trade in, you know, it's I know it's in the second round, but a lot of the teams that draft in the 20s, which essentially is 
like the 50s and 60s in the second round, you know, their pick is better. So that's the, the one positive of missing the playoff is they had a good pick for all the teams that would be interested in Khalil Mack. Now it's time to see these two pass rushers get after it. Oh my God, the Players' Championship is back with one of the best fields in golf. And now you can take a shot at the Island Green with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 30 to 1 odds on the defending champion, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Olympic gold medalist, Xander Shoffley, to make the cut at the Players. That's right. If any of those players make the cut at TPC Sawgrass, you win $150 on a $5 bet. Also, if you want to bet on the players, I like John Rahm to win. I like Xander and Brooks Kepka to top five. Get in on that action because I'm going to be gambling it. There's no better time to get in on the action with FanDuel Sportsbook. So set up, so step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the players' championship. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app with promo code Colin to get 30 to 1 odds on JT, Colin, and Xander to make the cut at the players. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. FanDuel Sportsbook, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FANDUEL.com slash RG, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. 
And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, before we dive into all the dynamics of the Denver-Seattle trade, I just wanted to start off on a general theme. Relationships matter, and working on relationships matter. Anyone listening to this who's married, who's in a serious relationship, who has a business partnership, uh, you know, a, a long-standing business business partnership, who's involved in some sort of, you know, enterprise with someone else professionally, it takes effort on both sides to maintain these relationships. Right? You go through rough patches, whether it be with your wife whether it be with your business partner. You go through tough times. Not every quarter is booming. Not every month is like your honeymoon or Christmas. Sometimes shit hits the fan and it takes both sides for people to work at them and maintain them. Not everything has to be hunky-dory and you know sunshine and rainbows. It's okay to go through dark times. And, and honestly... I think I know from my own personal experience, you learn more about yourself and others during the tougher times than you do when money's flowing or when the uh, the sex is explosive. You know, you just the the dark times make you find out who you want to be with again, professionally or personally. And I think when you look at both these two quarterbacks, one the relationship, both sides really worked on them. They made it a priority. They said, we want to figure out if this is worth it. And ultimately, they did. And I got to give Gudikins a lot of credit. But Rodgers deserved credit. They both met in the middle. They both worked at it. And you could say, John, well, it's just all money. No, it, it, Aaron Rodgers has been the highest paid player in the league for a while. He would have been the highest paid player in the league, whether he's on Denver, whether he's on the Jags, or whether he stayed with the Packers. He was getting his money no matter what. It, it, it clearly wasn't about money. He's always got money. He's worth $260 million. After this contract, when his career's over, he's gonna be, he'll have made $400-plus million on the field. He was getting paid regardless. It was about the treatment of him like he's freaking Tom Brady. Where Russell Wilson, you know, the relationship, and listen, sometimes employees at the highest level, because ultimately Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, they worked for you know Pete Carroll. They 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 are their W two employee for Seattle and the Green Bay Packers. 
Now, when you're the most talented employee in the building, whether you're the best salesman, whether you're the best artist in a recording studio, or whether you're a star quarterback, you know, sometimes they got big egos. They, they can be a little narcissistic. Like, that's that's happened in the history of time. But clearly the Packers and Aaron Rodgers made a conscious effort to figure this thing out and do everything humanly possible to get it right and see if it could work. I don't believe that's the case with Russell Wilson. There was an article in The Athletic that he was checked out. And I'm not just blaming Russell Wilson because I bet if you put yourself in his shoes, he thinks Pete Carroll's not that great of a coach. Pete Carroll's 70 years old. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not an ageist, but at 70 years old, unless you're Bill Freakin' Belichick, you probably shouldn't be coaching anymore. And I know Pete's a young 70, but like, bro, just do something else. You know, it's, it's over. You've had a hell of a run. Like, unlike Belichick, who keeps making the playoffs with ease, like, it's a, it's a struggle for Pete. And Bill's calling defense, and now he might call offense. Like, Pete ain't doing anything. Pete's just a CEO cashing that $15 million check. So I understand Russell that thinks, like, this guy's kind of on cruise control. He acts all happy. They're shooting baskets. Like, I, I get both sides. And listen, I'm someone, I'm, I ain't calling coward on this deal. I think Russell's a major diva. And I think there is a distinct gap between Rodgers and Russell on the field. Rodgers dramatically better. Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. That includes Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and hell, even last year, Tom Brady. Russell ain't, Russell's not a top five quarterback right now. Now, maybe he bounces back, but he's good enough. And listen, I've seen Russell live three or four times. He's one of the best players I've ever seen. Like, I think Russell's the first bout Hall of Famer. But just when you put these two guys next to each other, Rodgers is dramatically better. Now, Russell's still good enough that I understand where he's coming from. But ultimately, Russell was over it. And let's call a spade a spade. Russell demanded out of there. Russell demanded a trade. Russell wanted out. Now, his PR campaign, he puts his agent, Mark Rogers, who's a baseball guy, out in front of him. The difference between Rogers and Russell, Rogers has to act, or, uh, you know, he is asked about his sins. He gets up and he handles it. Bro, you want it out? You got the vaccine, all that stuff. He takes it on the chin. Russell does this thing like it's never been up, never asked for a trade. I want to be here. Go Hawks. But really behind the scenes, it's like, get me out of here, which again, his prerogative. I have no problem with the player, no different than any employee that wants out of a business. That that is all on you. The only one who's ever going to care about you the most is going to be you. Only you truly know. It's hard to describe to other people personally and professionally sometimes the things you're going through. Right, Only truly you know. So if you think that Pete Carroll's a village idiot, it's hard for Russell. He couldn't come out and publicly say that. Now, the media would love it because they think Pete's an idiot, but the media thinks they know everything about football and they clearly don't. But it, it would be hard for him to describe, even though there might be a lot of merit to behind, behind what he's saying. But he, in a million years, like Rodgers ultimately came out like, yeah, we need to change some shit. This ain't going to fly. And he did that press. Russell never does that crap. Russell avoids that stuff by the plague. Because he's always running a PR campaign. He never wants to be hated. He wants to be this perfect, it's like, he's like a politician. Where you got to give Rogers some credit, like whether you agree with him or disagree with him, he'll wear it. And listen, I think some of the stuff he does is pretty quirky. You know, the Buddhist stuff, you know, the 13-day cleanse where you're pooping and puking. Like, that stuff's a little wacky for me. And listen, you can do, uh, you do whatever you want to do. But I I, I do respect that Rogers had to take it all and Russell kind of can hide behind all this stuff. But ultimately, the Pete Carroll was cool with getting rid of Russell. And Russell clearly wanted away from Pete Carroll. And ultimately, the relationship in Green Bay, they worked at it and they figured it out. But like I said, let's, let's not get it twisted. Russell Wilson 
wanted out. Russell Wilson demanded a trade without actually demanding a trade. And it's easy for him to say, like, Seattle, I never wanted out of here. No, you did, bro. Now, he'll never say that. He'll throw Mark Rogers, the the agent out there, and always look like the good guy. Like, Russell, you're not perfect. You're a diva, too. But you can't. It's where I, I, I disagree with Colin. We act like Rogers the diva and Russell's not. Like, no, they're both. And the difference is Rogers, again, is a better player. So it's like, if I'm going to deal with the diva, and I got Kevin Durant or I got James Harden, you know who I'd rather have? Kevin Durant, right? And listen, Rogers left a little to be desired. I said it over and over, under no circumstances can you be that good and lose that game to the 49ers. That is a shitty loss. And, and listen, you, special teams, no, Rogers has to score more than 10 points. He's got to get it done. So I, I put that on him. But I watch Russell, like, let Russell cook, and then he tries to cook, and he can't always cook. Sometimes he doesn't make a great meal. So he's, not, he's by no means a perfect player. Now, the Packers are a much more consistently run organization than Seattle. Seattle's drafted poorly. They do weird stuff. They traded two first-round picks for a guy that can't cover, a guy that can't pick the ball off, and he plays safety. That's a disaster. But part of their aggression historically has also paid off for Russell and helped them have a lot of success. So it's, it's a two-way street. I also think going to Denver, before we get into the compensation, we just assume, and listen, I said this about Rodgers, about Russell. If you're a great player, you, you, the competition, you don't even worry. You're, you just, I'm, you're going to put me wherever I'm going to go and we're going to win. But we're just like locking Denver up as a winner. Like they have some talent, but they, they haven't won a big game in, or just any game that's meaningful in years. They have a first-year head coach that we have no clue if he's going to be any good. Like that's the one thing Rodgers knows. I have a good coach. I, I know that for a fact. Matt LaFleur has coached three years, and I know I can win with him leading the charge. We don't know that about Nathaniel Hackett. And I'm rooting for Nathaniel Hackett, UC Davis guy. His dad, UC Davis guy, used to coach Joe Montana. Like, I'm a fan of the family. But we see it all the time with these coaches. Like, you know, the majority of these guys, these first-time head coaches, will not be good. So there is some unknown there. Now, when it comes to the trade value, I started reaching out to people in the league. What do you think? What do you think? And depends who you ask. Some people think they got fair value. Other people thought they would get more. Now, draft picks are capital. And some draft picks, obviously, are worth more than others. So the capital of the ninth overall pick is obviously worth more than the 20th overall pick. But I think an underrated part about this trade, also on the players, Shelby Harris, like whatever, I I can find defensive tackles. Drew Locke has no value. And Noah Fant, you know, depending on who you ask, second round pick, third round pick, but he does have value. So let's just say he's worth an early third, late second round pick because he's going into his fourth year, then his fifth year option, he's going to need a new contract. He's a talented player, but you are going to need to pay him. Uh, But the ninth pick, for example, the 49ers and the Detroit Lions, and excuse me, the LA Rams, traded their first-round picks this upcoming draft to the Lions and the Miami Dolphins. Now, last year when I said they both got first-round picks, like, damn, they got first-round picks. It sounds great. It always does. But then they actually come to fruition. You're like, well, the Lions got the 32nd overall pick. The Miami Dolphins for Trey Lance got the 29th overall pick. And to put this into perspective... You could not package those two picks, pick 32 and pick 29 for pick nine. 
according to the trade value chart and just common sense. You would say, no, the ninth pick is worth more than those two picks. But if I told you at the beginning of the season, would you rather have two first-round picks or one first-round pick, either Denver or would you rather have the Rams and the Niners? You know, I bet a lot of people would say, I'd rather have two first-round picks. So the ninth pick in a value in a vacuum is worth a lot because next year their first-round pick that even if Nathaniel Hackett is not as great in their team, they're still probably going to win nine or ten games. Hell, Seattle that has a worse roster in a tougher division when Russell missed three games, won seven. So more than likely they're going to go nine and seven, ten and or nine and eight, ten and seven. That's probably worst case. So that pick next year is going to be in the twenties. So next year's picks are not great, but this year's picks, a good second round pick and obviously the ninth pick, those are very, very valuable. And I also think it shows you that, listen, where these NFL quarterbacks have gained a lot of juice, we know their importance. It speaks for itself, right? They get paid $40, $50 million. We all know, my mom knows, let alone Bill Parcells or Bill Belichick, you cannot win without a good quarterback. It's impossible. If you don't have an above-average quarterback, you can't even compete. So they have a lot of juice, but it still ain't the NBA. When Kyrie Irving demanded a trade, he's like, I want to go to the Celtics. Anthony Davis, I want to go to the Lakers. And they just get their way. When the NFL, like again, Russell Wilson demanded a trade without quote-unquote demanding a trade. Well, they go, okay, Russell, and you got a no-trade clause. We ain't trading you anywhere. We're not trading you to the commanders. We're not trading you to the Eagles. And they can leak out all they want. Well, you know, they didn't get the same offer. Those teams would have offered three first-round picks, I promise you. But the Seattle Seahawks, we're not trading you in the NFC, my man. That is not happening on our watch. And they knew that Denver, who was beyond desperate for a quarterback, and rightfully so, they're tired of losing. And once Rodgers spurns them would probably be the wrong way to put it, but just says, hey, I'm staying with Green Bay, which is the right move. The team is better, and you know you can win, and the division, you're just a lock to go to the playoffs. Now, Denver, if you put Rodgers, I I ran into a buddy of mine who's actually running the gym now, and he's a big Raider fan. And I said this morning, I'm like, damn, man, those Raiders. And he's like, you know, I actually feel relieved because I was expecting the Denver Broncos to get Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, we all agree Russell Wilson's really good, but he ain't Aaron Rodgers. And again, this is where I disagree with Colin. Let's not act like Russell's better than Aaron. Like, Aaron's a better player than Russell Wilson. Ask every single GM and every single coach in the NFL, you had one game, who would you rather play? If you had to pick between those two, you would take, I would rather play Russell Wilson than play Aaron Rodgers. Does Aaron Rodgers leave a little bit of desire the last couple years in the playoffs? Of course. But like I said, it's partly because where they play. They play in this place that's fucking negative 10 degrees that most players would suck. It takes the greatest quarterback of all time, who, if I remember correctly, threw some picks in that game to come in and beat him. And this year, you know, the Niners just, they, they played in this ugly game. It was freezing cold, which is a whole nother issue. They need to figure out a way to, you know, I don't know. They, they actually might be better playing on the road because I'll promise you this. And listen, I wanted the Niners to win. I'm glad they won. I had money on the 49ers. I'm clearly rooting for the 49ers. If that game would have been at Levi's instead of being at, at Lambeau, I think Green Bay wins, you know, because his greatest advantage, a passer, you can operate. Like, if you put Russell Wilson at Lambeau, like, he ain't winning. I, I, we saw it a couple years ago. He lost. So, I, I just think 
that when you look at the trade, I thought they should have got more too. He's the best player in the history of the franchise. And I think from, you know, Pete wanted him out. Schneider probably doesn't want him out. Schneider would probably rather get rid of Pete Carroll because ultimately Schneider answers to Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll, you know, again, 70 years old, you're worth $100 million. Yeah, I've been around some older people with a lot of money. Anyone that listening that has two knows one thing. They are fucking stubborn. They are stubborn. They're not like progressive with their ideas. Like, I'm open to stuff. No, they're going to be very, very headstrong in what they believe. And clearly Russell, and listen, I respect Russell Wilson. His ambition, his desire to quote unquote be great, his work ethic as a player. I'm not a Russell Wilson hater, but I think there are two sides to this story. And Seattle you know, to trade him, like, I actually think their package, the more and more I've had to marinate on it, is probably a little better than you think because of the ninth pick and the high second round pick. Uh, and on the Denver side, this is the easiest trade they'll ever make in the history of the franchise. They, they would have given more to get Russell Wilson. Because in the foreseeable future, they were never going to sniff a quarterback like Russell Wilson. Hell, they've been drafting guys over and over and over, and every single guy stinks. So I, I think this is... This is a BP fastball for George Payton. I bet George Payton is telling his friends, like, God, I would have paid more. I, I was I would have easily paid more. I you know, when they told me that's it, I didn't have to give up Jerry Judy or Patrick Sertain. I didn't have to give up another first round pick to get Russell Wilson, who's, you know, whether he's a, he wasn't a top five quarterback last year, but you know, he's still a top six, seven quarterback in the league. And for them, he's a dramatic improvement from anything they've had since really Peyton Manning, obviously. And now Denver is relevant. And I think the league likes Denver being relevant. Obviously, Denver is a big, you know, just been a powerhouse franchise for the majority of my life. And uh, now Seattle, at least of recording this, you know, they don't have a quarterback. They're not relevant anymore. And this is where that you never want to be the team trading the star quarterback unless you get another star quarterback because you're going to lose the trade. Like, no one's going to care if you Kayvon Thibodeau falls in your lap and you draft Drake London in the second round. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. You have no chance. You're going to win four or five games. So this is where Russell Wilson, like, you can leak out that, you know, he mailed in the season because that was in the athletic article. Seattle thinks he mailed it in. And when you watched him, there were times when you thought he was mailing it in. But if he doesn't mail it in in Denver, he's going to make you look stupid, right? You can, you can fire some diva artist from your recording label. If that recording label's, you know, or that record, that uh, that artist is Taylor Swift or Dr. Dre, the next label he goes to is going to make you look like an idiot. So th- this is where, back to Pete Carroll, like, I would have fired Pete Carroll. I said last year, and just figured it out. Like, you know, Russell, I don't love doing this, but like, I want to hire an offensive coach. We want you to stay here. Even if he's a pain in the ass, which I think is pretty clear. But, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is. It's a relationship business. This relationship crumbled. And it's been crumbling now for a little while. I, I just I, I just struggle with when a guy can kind of fly under the radar and make these crazy demands. Because in most people in sports, like in the NBA, you know when a guy's Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, you know Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, like they get shit on for doing this. Aaron Rodgers got crushed for thinking about like you know leaving. Russell kind of avoids it because he because he he's great with PR. And I just, I'm not into that crap. I'm not into fake or fraud. Just say, hey, man, I, I, I respect the hell out of him. He's like, I was tired of Pete Carroll. That he was too stubborn. I didn't think he knew was anything about offense. I think he's losing his fastball. But he would never say that because he doesn't want to be disliked in Seattle. And listen, I'm someone in the Bay Area. We threw a party yesterday. 
Russell Wilson is 16-4 and against the 49ers. He owns them. I've been watching sports for 30-plus years. I've never seen one single player beat the shit out of one single team over and over and over. And unlike Aaron Rodgers with the Bears, the Bears always suck. The Niners have been good. Aaron owned them with Harbaugh. Aaron's owned them with Kyle Shanahan. It doesn't matter. The only meaningful game the 49ers have ever beat Russell Wilson, they came within a millimeter on that Week 8-17 game a couple years ago on Sunday Night Football of losing. So he just... I, I, I respect the hell out of the player, but we're going to see this Denver thing because I, I, some people think it's going to fail on both sides. Who knows? Because ultimately Seattle, I think, also kind of feels that maybe Russell's over the hill. You know, he's not. He's a small guy. He's just a lot of wear and tear. We'll see. I, I, I think he's going to be good next year. But it'll all also come down to the head coach. Anytime there's a first-year head coach, he might not be very good. <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks, like, did Howie Roseman have the greatest trade in the history of trades? He essentially sold a $5 million house that 12 months later got sold for $1.5 million. You talk about a great deal. Howie flipped a player that the Philadelphia Eagles couldn't stand. The front office didn't like. The coaching staff was over. Even the players, they can say whatever they want. I've been told, weren't big fans of the guy toward the end. Two Indianapolis Colts who then missed the playoffs can't stand the guy either and trade him. So they gave up pick 16 and, th- you know, and they ultimately only get back a third round pick and potentially a second round pick. Now, for Washington, here's the thing with the Washington football team, commando, commanders, commandos, I don't even know their name. I actually think they should have been called the commandos, not the commanders. The Washington football team played last year with Taylor Heineke. Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke, a backup quarterback. They would have done anything to be in the position as the Indianapolis Colts were going into that Jacksonville game. Nine and seven with all you got to do is win and get in. That's the bar. The commandos are not trying to win the Super Bowl. They are not trying to get the number one overall seed. They're just trying to be playing football in January that matters. And they didn't even come close to that last year. So you get Carson Wentz, who again, is in this weird spot. On the field, he's better than the way we talk about him. And I'm, you know me, I'm not the biggest fan. But he's better than the way the average person, when you just say Carson Wentz, they just say he sucks. He does not suck. But he is no longer a superstar. And I don't remember a player that's had a quicker fall from grace, potential MVP, physical freak, to now like... Three teams in three years. That's a pretty big red flag. That's like Russell Westbrook territory. Nothing like Russell Westbrook telling fans to to like shitting on the fans. No one talks more shit about the fans than Russell Westbrook. It, it really is like, hey, Russell, LeBron James and Clutch tried to run you out of town for John Wall in a 2027 first round pick. Stop yelling at the fans. Start looking at LeBron James. He can't stand you. Don't blame the fans. But the Washington football team just wants to be competitive. But here's the thing with Carson Wentz. It clearly isn't just about on-the-field play. And he does some stupid stuff. It's about the guy. People don't love the guy. And part of being a quarterback is the intangible stuff. Here's, what, here's the other thing about Russell, Russell Wilson. Where are his teammates? Why do his teammates never be like, you know what, I love Russell Wilson. That is my guy, man. Russell Wilson, that is my dude. Love that guy, man. What a what a badass.
Where is that guy? Say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, he had some interesting relationships over the years with his teammates. He just officiated his star left tackle's wedding. Devontae Adams, like one of his best friends. There are guys on that team that love the guy. Where are these people with Russell Wilson? I don't see any of them. They clearly don't exist with Carson Wentz. I'm not asking you to be Tom Brady, the greatest teammate of all time. But do people like you? Say this all the time about Jimmy Garoppolo. Very flawed player. People love him. People like Jimmy Garoppolo. They like hanging out with him. They like going to work with him. They like being around the guy. Look at Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford goes to the LA Rams like team captain five minutes in. Guys, they swear by him. Being a quarterback is about more than just throwing touchdowns. It's about every single day galvanizing the room. Having guys be like, I love this dude, man. That's that's my homie. I want to play for this guy. Because you literally need five people to protect you. You need running backs to block for you. And you need wide receivers to lay it on the line across the middle for you. Yet, for whatever reason with Carson Wentz, it doesn't feel like people are all in on the guy. The teammates. And then the moment the teammates kind of get wishy-washy, the front office and the coaching staff are like, Dad, we got to be out. Now, this Indianapolis Colts situation, clearly the owner is somewhat involved, kind of weird, don't quite know what's going on. You know, let's face it, Ursay's a little bit of a whack job. But, you know, say this for Jim Ursay. He's seen what it looks like. He's had Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Again, well-liked people. <laughs> you know, teammates like the guys. Then they've had Jacoby Brissett. People like him. Phillip Rivers. People like him. Carson Wentz. Not so much. That's why we talk about it all the time with, when guys are coming out in the draft. And this draft, you know, for lacking in talent, which it does, it has high character guys. Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Matt Corral. Like, guys like these players. Like, they're teammates. They're coaches. And, and, and that really matters. And that's something that Carson Wentz, who, you know, feels like he's going to be on like five teams in six years when it's all said and done, is lacking. And I don't know why. You know, I haven't spent any time around him. You'd have to ask, you know, the coaching staffs that have been around him. But something's off, man. And when something's off at quarterback, you have a big problem. Unless the guy is Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or Peyton Manning. And that is clearly not the case with Carson. One thing I think we've seen with the quarterback movement, because let's face it, the way the marketplace works in player acquisition is a sequence, right? Free agency happens before the draft. We're actually in the NBA, it's the opposite. The draft is before free agency. Well, supply and demand is a real thing, right? If you know you can get a quarterback in the draft, you would wait till the draft, right? Or if it's a good quarterback draft. Like last year. Part of the reason the Bears signed Andy Dalton is because at pick 20, they had no cl- they didn't think they'd get Justin Fields. If they had a do-over on that, you better believe Ryan Pace, who's general, is never going to be a GM again, would have known that Justin Fields would not have gone in the top five or eight picks, and he would have been able to trade up to whatever pick 11 to get him. They would not have signed Andy Dalton. They just would have rolled in with Foles and Justin Fields. So obviously there is unknown going into the draft, but... It's pretty clear that this quarterback class is atrocious. Now, that does not mean that these quarterbacks in five years are not going to be good, right? Just because what you are, I say it all the time, the draft is not a representation of what I think you're going to be. It's the price that I have to pay to acquire you. John Schneider loved Russell Wilson, but they drafted him in the third round because that was his value. No one at the time back a decade ago was going to take a short little quarterback that high. You know, seven, eight years later, you want to get Kyler Murray, you want to get Baker Mayfield, you know, you got to draft him really high. The, the, the market changed, right? We see it all the time. Like, the certain markets around America, 
in uh, in terms of housing markets, are it's constantly adapting. Things change, and you have to adapt to it. But in terms of prospects, like last year, the worst physical prospect of the group was Mac Jones. And listen, I'm not the biggest fan because I don't like drafting average physical skills in the top 15. But it was pretty clear, you know, he was going to get drafted in the first round. You know, and I thought there was a chance if the Patriots didn't take him, he was going to go in the 20s. But he went pick 15, and he was the fifth quarterback off the board. So look at it. Three or four years ago, when the big quarterback draft happened, Lamar Jackson went pick 32. All those quarterbacks last year were off the board by 15. Like, I think there's a decent chance that none of these quarterbacks, well, they shouldn't be. Now, people, the difference between quarterbacks and other uh, positions is there's quarterback inflation. You are willing to pay, you know, a buck 75 on the dollar. Like, ultimately, if Desmond Ritter goes 14th, is he a first-round pick, the history of the league? No, but, you know, quarterback inflation, is it, it is what it is. But when you pay a premium for a non-premium, and then that guy, like right now, Desmond Ritter, it's like he could be the next Dak Prescott. Well, that's his ceiling, the next Dak Prescott. So if he hits his, not even his floor, but somewhere in the middle, you're getting Marcus Mariota. And then you got a problem. I, I drafted in the first round a backup quarterback. We got issues. So I think the reason all these quarterbacks are moving places, like if there was a good quarterback draft, the Washington football team commandos, commanders, would have just waited. They wouldn't have traded two third-round picks to get Carson Wentz, right? You know, at the time of recording this, Jimmy Garoppolo has not been traded. Whoever trades for him just would have waited to get a quarterback. But this quarterback draft is atrocious. And we know that. Like, that doesn't mean, though, that they won't be good players, right? The value of Aaron Donald at the time when the Rams took him at whatever pick 12 or 11 or 13, he was a six-foot defensive tackle. Right, And even that, quote-unquote, at the time, was a very, very bold pick, even though he was an awesome player. Now, if you redid the draft, he would go number one overall. Right, Things change in hindsight, but we don't have hindsight when we're coming into the draft. It's like, yeah, if you could redo a draft, George Kittle's going in the top ten. He went in the fifth round. Just the nature of the business. But at the time, he wasn't as good of a prospect as he's become as a player. Where you know, like, listen, Carson Wentz, Maybe a weirdo in your building, you know he can throw 27 touchdowns. Like, that's a fact. Just happened. Are you looking for the hottest gambling advice out there? Check out the Moneyline Monaco podcast, powered by FanDuel. Every weekday, our guy Alex Monaco will give you his best bets, including game picks, props, same-game parlays, and much more. Monaco is in another groove and has won nearly 60% of his bets all time. So don't miss your chance to make some money by downloading the Moneyline Monaco wherever you get your podcast, only on the Volumes Podcast Network. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game, a trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. 
You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Kumo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Uh, an, another story that kind of intrigues me, and I've been thinking a lot about this, is, uh, you know, because Kirk Herbstreet, it looks like he's going to go to Amazon for a lot of money. Troy Aikman's going to go to Monday Night Football. I don't know where Troy said this. Uh, maybe I, Oh, I think on local radio in Dallas. Troy's big local radio guy in Dallas. Don't blame him. You know, Dallas is home. Uh, and listen, I believe that Troy Aikman is good. I think, because let's face it, the majority of people that are play-by-play guys, are analysts, most crews you watch, right, are awful. And as someone that watches a lot of 49er games, the majority of their games were not called by Joe and Troy. If they're just playing some random team, I get like the third or fourth Fox crew. It's atrocious. Now, Joe and Troy are good, and Burkhart and Greg Olson are good, just like Burkhart and John Lynch were good. Those are two good crews. The majority of the crews stink, are awful. But you know what? It's football. I don't care. Troy said that Fox did not offer him a contract, a.k.a. like they weren't going to even get close to matching whatever the hell ESPN is paying him, 15, 18, 17, Tony Romo type money. And I started thinking, like Fox obviously owns Fox News as well. The reason they pay their Fox News hosts 10, 15, $20 million a year because they're the number one news shows, if you're into politics, on television. Regardless where you stand, like Fox News outrates every other news channel. And those guys get paid a boatload of money. Same with Coward, right? Coward gets a lot of money. But his show, if I'm coming to Coward or I'm coming to, you know, I don't watch this guy, but Sean Hannity or MSNBC or whatever, I'm coming for that individual, right? Where With Troy and Joe, who again are good, 
if the Packers are playing the Cowboys, I'm coming for Packers-Cowboys. Honestly, back to the political stuff, I don't know how people watch political TV. Like, I, I actually think I could be a political host, but I would hate the anger. I, I wouldn't want to be angry every day. Because part of being a po- political host, you just got to be angry and just a lot of people, or half the country's going to hate you. That'd be really exhausting. Now, it pays a lot. It pays a shitload. But I, not that I care about being liked, because I don't even like the majority of people, but you would just have to be angry every day. And the other thing is with politics, you don't control anything. Not that I control anything with sports, but it's more of a happier medium, I feel like. And, you know, luckily, you know, we're able to make some cash doing this. But I, 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 would, have, I would struggle with just the negative mindset, which you just kind of have to have, right? And I also just think it's so fake. I don't know how you do it. But again, pays a lot of money because they come to see you. As I was told at several parties, the most successful guy in the history of political radio wasn't even close to Rush Limbaugh. He was making hundreds of millions of dollars for the company. Right? Coward. One of the most... Dan Patrick, successful sports pro. You come to watch them. I don't come to watch Joe and Troy. I don't care about them. Now, I'd rather watch them than, you know, Chris Myers and one of the Barber brothers. But... If the Packers are playing the Cowboys, if the 49ers are playing the Rams, if the Eagles are, you know, are playing the Arizona Cardinals, like I'm watching that game, regardless who's calling it. Let's face it, we all watch a lot of bad broadcast crews. So I put myself in the management of Fox and I go, listen, Troy, you're a stud. Love you. We've had you for a couple decades. But I asked myself, CBS, they paid Troy or uh Tony Romo all that money. And listen, I like Tony personally. I don't know him, but I feel like we'd be buddies. Big golf guys, and we'd like playing golf and maybe drink some beers. But I, I do think he's a little over the top sometimes as a broadcaster. But I also thought, like, if you're CBS... Now, part of the reason Tony got paid so much is because ESPN tried to steal him and they didn't want to lose him. But, like, I wonder if they think now... Like, if you put week one, let's just hypothetically say there's a game. Chiefs, Bills. Do we give a shit who's calling the game? What if it was me and my mom calling the game? Obviously, that'd be a big story because it's like, why is this... Dude and his mom calling the game. But ultimately, you're tuning in to watch. Why? Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't really matter who's calling the game. Like, if CBS had a do-over on that, do you think it matters? You know, and like I said, I understand why these guys get so much money, but I do wonder, do you need to pay them that much money? Because ultimately, we've talked before about, like, uh, you know, Tony Soprano, or, I mean, James Gandolfini, the last year of The Sopranos, making a couple million dollars an episode. The cast of Friends, million dollars an episode. Some of these big television shows, huge money. They are the show. Like, ultimately, Mahomes is the show. Belichick and Mac Jones are the show. Shanahan, Stafford, Aaron Donald, Bosa, they're the show. You're just commentating it. And listen, you deserve to get paid, because commentating, especially being a good one, is hard to duplicate and hard to find other ones. But I don't think Fox is that crazy. Like, you could argue just pay someone $5 million. Throw them in there. Even if you get some blowback on Twitter, who gives a shit? There's like 15% of society is on Twitter. And like 3% actually tweet. The majority of it is just media people. And we've seen media people tend to be very fucking miserable. Most people I know are pretty normal. They're not that miserable every day. They just watch football because they want to release from normal life, gamble on the game, watch their squad. So if you just put you know, former player X, even if he's not that great, the media will complain. Hell, I might complain. I'm guilty too. But ultimately, I'm watching. Like I say, hey, John, you want to watch Herbert Mahomes today? It's uh, Jim Nance and uh, some random backup special teamer. No, no, I only watch former quarterbacks or guys that are in the Hall of Fame calling my games. I will not watch 
Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes play today. Won't do it. No one's ever said that. So maybe Fox is right on this one. I don't blame Troy for getting paid. He's already super rich. It's not like this is more, and I understand from his perspective, it's respect. But ultimately, if you don't own anything, and let's face it, Troy's just an employee. Like, you got to make tough decisions for management. So I, I, I do kind of understand where they're coming from. Uh, now we'll see who they replace him with. I could probably be Greg Olson, which I don't even think we'll notice, you know? And if Joe, if Joe Buck leaves too, like Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, will they be as good as those two? No, because they're not as famous. But will we really notice that big of a difference? I don't think so. Because let's face it, Troy wasn't that good. I think I heard Bill Simmons say this on his podcast, and he was right. Like, Troy kind of started, I wouldn't say mail it in, but it just lost his fastball. This year, after Romo got that enormous contract, he was kind of like double middle fingers. Like, you guys forgot? I'm Troy Aikman. I got the three rings. I'm the important Dallas quarterback. Because you know what fans want? Fans want you to be critical. Because we're all sitting on our couch, screaming at the guy for dropping a pass, screaming at the coach for not calling a timeout, and we're the ones paying the bills. Without us, there is no league. There is no money. There is no television deal. There is no of these jobs. And Troy kind of got back into the saddle of being critical. Part of, I think, the reason Madden and Gruden could avoid, because John, John Gruden wasn't that critical ever of coaches. But John was such a big, exuberant personality, he could kind of overcome it. Most of these guys aren't huge personalities. <laughs> you know, Most of these guys wouldn't have a snowball's chance in hell in the, in, as entertainers doing, you know, hosting a podcast or something if it, they weren't commentating on a game. And I thought Troy kind of brought his fastball back because it was like F you to Tony Romo, which sometimes we all need a little kick in the ass. And now he got paid. But I, I, I truly don't believe really Fox is going to miss him that much because I don't think it matters. Like when Aaron Rodgers plays Russell Wilson and Fox, the afternoon game's hosting it, you, I, and 25 other million people are watching. Let's, let's hit a couple other stories. Bobby Wagner was cut. It's pretty simple. When you're tearing things down, anyone that's worked in a company, they usually go after the highest paid guys, right? They don't start firing the interns. The interns don't make any money. The, the Seattle Seahawks weren't going to cut a bunch of guys making veteran minimums or guys making $1, $2 million. It doesn't change their salary cap. You cut the guy that makes $20 million a year. If the salary cap is $208 million, you're talking like 9% of the salary cap. Boom, saved. Now, is Bobby Wagner a good player? Of course. Do I think he'll probably end up on the Rams? I do. But like that's part of the deal. I also think we overreact like it's a really big deal when quarterbacks in their prime get moved. That doesn't happen very much. But it it because it it just doesn't, right? What what Russell Wilson at 33 years old getting traded is kind of an outlier. Now, 33, you know, in the 90s, that used to be more like 38, 39 years old. 33 is like the new 29. Right? When Peyton Manning moved teams, he was coming off like five neck surgeries. Tom Brady became a free agent at 42 years old. So Bobby Wagner's like Ronnie Locke got cut, right? Uh, Deion Sanders got cut. Like some of the greatest players, non-quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame get cut. It's part of the business. It's honestly what makes the health of the business go. If Bobby Wagner was an NBA player, you'd have three years left at $35 million a year and you'd be stuck with him. Now, he's still good. I'm not trying to diminish like he's still a talented player. But I, I, the overreaction was like, Seattle, Bobby Wagner. Hey, draft a new, draft a new linebacker. Are you going to get as good of a one? Probably not. But can you get a guy that be 80% of him for $2 million? Probably. <laughs> That's the way the National Football League works. That's why it's the healthiest sport. Why it will continue to be. You're not stuck with players. Uh, the Chargers, give them credit. Uh, you got to build around your young quarterback because defensively, I think the jury's out on Brandon Staley. 
I mean, you can tell me all you want about the roster, but their defense was a joke last year. And you're like, oh, the talent was... I, stop the fucking run. You know, listen, do, I, do you need to be a top 10 run defense? No. Can, can you not be dead last? Can, can, can you get a run stop w- against the Houston Texans in a must-win game, for the love of God? Can you tackle Josh Jacobs to make it to the playoffs? Just one time. No, you can't. Can, can you dial up a defense where even if you're playing with me, you, and three other randos, where you can just fill some gaps? Because Belichick could. You know, Dick LeBeau would have. So if, if you're going to get a reach around, like you're the smartest defensive guy in, in the league, like you got to stop the run. Well, I don't know if they're going to be any good on defense as long as this guy's the head coach. Because to me, he feels a little overmatched. But you can be awesome on offense. So to me, you double down on Justin Herbert. You keep Mike Williams. You obviously got Keenan Allen. You draft another wide receiver. You go sign another tight end. You got to get a big running back to go with Eckler. And you go all in on offense. To me, the philosophy for the Chargers, if I want to make the playoffs next year, is to be a top two or three offense. Be kind of what the Chiefs were a couple years ago. Be an unstoppable offense. And just try to incrementally improve on defense. Right? To me, so keeping Mike Williams, they have a bunch of cap space, smart move. Mike Williams is the type guy you want with a big arm quarterback. Throw it up there and let the guy make plays. They need Keenan Allen. Even though statistically he was good last year, he dropped a bunch of balls. Uh, I think they also need a speed wide receiver. I was listening to DJ Daniel Jeremiah, who I uh, once replaced when he went to the NFL Network, which is a little ironic because then eventually I kind of went into a similar space. But he mentioned Chris Olave as a guy potentially for the Chargers. I think Chris Olave, you know, those type players with with uh, with Justin Herbert make a lot of sense. My pushback would be, I'd say Telesco is pretty good at finding random wide receivers that he might be able to find a guy in the second or third round and use that pick on someone on defense. Because you need defensive players. Go get a defensive lineman and then draft a speed wide receiver or sign a speed wide receiver. That's That would be my philosophical uh, thought process when it came to the Chargers. The Lions. Remember Matt Patricia, the former head coach of the Lions? What a disaster that was. Remember he went to the Lions, classic Patriot move, signed all these Patriots. Trey Flowers, who's a solid player, was just cut by Dan Campbell. And uh, I forget their GM's name from the Rams. But I would to me, usually when Patriots leave the Patriots, they get paid a premium to go somewhere else. They usually come back to the Patriots on a discount. Because Bill goes, hey, listen, you've already been paid. You want to win again? Come here. So I, I could see the Patriots being all over Trey Flowers. Patricia's also there now doing that Ernie Adams role. But that, that's usually the route these Patriot guys uh, roll. Now, they did it with Brady. We'll see if that continues to happen with old McCorkle Jones. The Titans, they they signed Harold Landry, uh, big-time pass rusher, I think $87 million. I didn't see the guaranteed money. You never know with the NFL. It could be like $7 million guaranteed, probably like 20 25 Good pass rusher. To me, the Titans, you know, as long as the Colts are in flux at quarterback, um, they're going to be the heavy favorite to, to win the division again. They're going to be the heavy favorite to be in the mix for a two or three seed. I know this year they got the one. It's probably a one-off time. But their GM's a stud. Their head coach is a stud. Their organization is its just a well-run operation. its Whenever I hear all the Patriot guys fail, and I say that a lot, I mean coaches. John Robinson, Vrabel never coached there. Vrabel played there. You know, it's like, is Welker a Patriot guy? Well, he played there. Welker's now a coach. He never worked for Belichick. I view the same thing with Vrabel. John Robinson worked for him, but John Robinson's a GM. I think the GMs have been a little bit different. So, And clearly John has. I mean, John goes to playoffs every year as the general manager of the Titans. He's from there. What a great job. You get to live in Nashville. 
Uh, he'd be the GM of the Titans. They're going to build a new stadium. He's got a good gig. and I mean, he knows it. Uh, they cut Roger Saffold, who once upon a time signed with the Raiders, and then they did a, a uh, physical, and somehow Mark Davis got word that his shoulder was messed up, so he reneged on the deal. That's uh, that's little inside Raiders right there. But that was probably five, six, maybe seven, eight years ago. Uh, and Roger Saffold went on to have a great career with, uh, you know, the Rams. Stay with the Rams, and then he went to the Titans. Dude's a stud. Dude's a really good guard. But here's the thing with cutting guards. Cutting guards and centers, like, I can find guards and centers. If you can't, if I can cut a guard, now, obviously, if you got Quentin Nelson or Larry Allen or, you know, Jim Otto or something. But if you have a highly paid guard, who and you have some cap issues, I should be able to replace with a third-round plug-and-play starter. Easier said than done, but of the any position on the football team, if I can't find a center and I can't find a left or right guard to fill through the draft, I'm not good at my job. Period, point blank, end of story. So I think that's the way a lot of guys think, that once they get to a point where they got to move around a little money, sometimes highly paid centers and guards, if they're not like Jason Kelsey, are the first to go. So I, it's not really that crazy, especially once they get up there in age. Like, how long am I going to hold on to some highly paid 32, 33, 34-year-old guard? You know, I should be able to, I have to be able to, find a guy in the draft for cheap. So, like, like Howie Roseman said in his press conference, the NFL is all about allocating resources. Every single team has the same amount of resources to start. They all have the same amount of money. They all have the same amount of draft picks. Teams just choose to utilize them different ways. And to me, I would always draft guards and centers in like the third and fourth round. I mean, that's where I'd find my guys. I'd, I'd just left tackles, right tackles, pass rushers early, obviously quarterbacks. I might even hang out on wide receivers till the second round. And, and running backs, I'm not messing with till later in the draft. I saw it with the 49ers last year. They take Trey Sermon in the third round. Ohio State, Oklahoma, it's like, oh my God. He can't hold Elijah Mitchell's jock, who they found in the sixth round. Running backs, you should never, not in a million. I love Najee Harris. Love him. Stud. You know, I would just try to avoid taking running backs in the first round. I don't care how good the guy is. Because I can find really good players in like the third or fourth. We see it all the time. Dalvin Cook wasn't a first-round pick. Alvin Kamara wasn't a first-round pick. Derrick Henry wasn't a first-round pick. Adrian Peterson was. But... You know, league was a little different back then. Hand it off to him 30 times a game. You don't now. Now we throw the ball. Throw the ball a lot. I talked to a buddy who, uh, I talked to a couple guys actually about the Arkansas wide receiver, Burks. I had a, I had a wide receiver coach text, text me the other day. Uh, and all he said were Garrett, or he said Wilson and Olave, dot, dot, dot. Real deal. He loves, there's a wide receiver coach in the NFL loves the two Ohio State guys. I mean, and, and listen, if you watched Ohio State, which like 10 million people do a week, so if you watch a little college football, you at minimum watch a couple of their games. Those two guys, bad asses. The rest of the crew, you know, I think the jury's out on Drake London. I like him. My, my guy didn't. Uh, I think the Arkansas guy's really raw. You know, he's just, he's not a great route runner, but he's a big time athlete, even though he's not that fast, but he can just make shit happen. Um, I, I just think there's a lot going to be a lot of different opinions on the wide receivers beside the two Ohio State guys who are just difference makers. I mean, Garrett Wilson, I mean, there's a chance that, you know, two years ago it was Justin Jefferson. Last year was Jamar Chase. This year it's Garrett Wilson. Comes in the league, 80 catches, t- 10 touchdowns. Just dominates, kicks ass, take names, and like, God damn, this guy's good. 
To me, he's the one. Sometimes with the speed wide receivers, like Alave, Ruggs, uh, I would say Deshaun, a little bit of an outlier, his rookie season. Deshaun was a lot better than these guys. To me, Deshaun in 2022 is probably going in the top 10. Now, part of the reason he fell was, you know, him and Jeff Tedford, you know, they, they had, you know, there's some questions about his work ethic and stuff. But the moment he got to the NFL, I was like, Jesus. And it's most speed wide receivers, like 4-2 type guys, don't just have that easy of a transition. Most of the wide receivers that translate immediately are like Jamar Chase. You know, physical guys can break some tackles, slants, out routes, some back shoulder stuff, right? It's not like uh, the, the burners. Now, if you're Randy Moss, who was big and could burn, obviously, but for the most part, it's like, total package wide receivers, and that doesn't always work. And I think sometimes when speed is a question, Keenan Allen's a good example, fell in the draft, he was immediately sweet. Michael Crabtree, who was drafted really high, now granted the quarterback situation at the time sucked, but he's not a burner, and it took him three or four years to kind of get his footing underneath him. But if you look in recent memory, right, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Michael Thomas, like guys in the second round just dominate immediately. So it's all about team building philosophies, allocating resources, and playing this market. Because that's that's all this is. It's all it's all market value. How much are you willing to pay for a free agent? How much you're willing to how much draft capital are you willing to use on a player? Uh you know, some are no brainers, right? You have the number two pick and Nick Bose is sitting there. What happens when you have the 17th pick? And you're like, you know, the best player on the board is a guard, but we kind of need a pass rusher. You know, we don't need a wide receiver. The best, the the top wide receiver on our boards ahead of a pass rusher. It can put you in tough spots. And it's, it's easy to talk about. It's another thing, you know, it's always easier to make. I've been saying this for a while because I love the quote. It's easier to make suggestions than decisions. Making decisions are hard. That's <laughs> so why most people are not in decision-making power. Because they can't do it. They either hesitate. They don't know. They get insecure about it. The more decisions you make, the easier it gets to make decisions, right? If you're If you're a boss... If you're a parent, you know, at first you're like, what the hell do I do? And then your kid's like 10 years old and it becomes pretty easy, right? I'm watching my brother parent right now. The older the kid gets, it's easier for them to figure it out. At first, you're just like hoping the kid breathes, you know? First time you're a boss, I don't care how well prepared you are and everyone's looking at you, right? First time you get into an NFL huddle, you're like, damn, I'm a starting quarterback in the NFL. This is pretty intense. You know, Tom Brady was, was green his first year. By year five or six, like he knew what the hell he was doing. Peyton Manning, same thing. Don't even know what we're talking about now. Have a good weekend. And uh, subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends. You guys know the drill. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. We're going to do, obviously, Middlecoff Mailbag on the weekends. Keep that keep that rocking and rolling. And if you like golf, at GoLowPod. At GoLowPod. Subscribe to that Instagram. Players, I'm recording this right now. is weather delay. It sucks. But uh, But, yeah. May the peace be with you. Adios. Godspeed. See ya. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. 
And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 